0: Will you please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to preach to you today, I want to teach you today, in both services, about prayer. It is such a simple subject, but we don't do enough of it. And I have a great enemy against me preaching this sermon. I have preached on this subject before, 13 years ago, and there is an extensive eight-page outline, single-spaced, that will give you all the details for those of you who want a deeper study of the subject to see everything that the Bible has to say on it. I don't want to try to tell you everything the Bible has to say on it this morning. All I want is for you to go home wanting to pray more. Right. Amen. I'm not talking about public prayer here. Right. I'm not talking about praying before you eat. right. Even the pagans do that. I'm talking about prayer as a holy exercise and a holy habit that you do every day and every parts of those days to draw nigh to your God and to ask Him for help and strength to live the kind of life that we should rather than the life that we would if we don't pray. I am very afraid as your pastor, of a letdown after the great unity and revival and zeal of a few weeks ago. Some of you have heard this from me for the last couple of weeks in private. Prayer will keep us going. If we do not pray, we will easily, infallibly, default To our norm, a form of godliness without the power thereof. And we will go through the motions of that form and not have the authority and the power in our lives, nor the joy, nor the zeal that comes by the holy habit and exercise of prayer in which we beseech and beg for the strength and joy and power and grace of God to live the lives that He expects us to. Because if we're not doing that, we will not. He will not live them for us. Right. We will wallow with a form of godliness and easily being distracted by all the things of our lives. Amen. I could give you examples outside of the Bible of men of prayer, but I'm not one prone to that. So I'm going to give you examples from the Bible. But before I get to those examples, I want to tell you why this sermon should not be preached if you want to be a carnal Christian or if you have given any place to the devil. Satan does not want Christians to pray because if they don't pray, they will be carnal, they will be weak, they will easily give him place, and they will have no power or fruit in their lives, and he loves Christians like that. In Ephesians 6, where I preached a few weeks ago about the conflict that we have with Satan and all principalities in power, a spiritual conflict, we looked at the armor of God that is described for us in verses 14 through 17, But then we came to that 18th verse. And I do not want us to forget the 18th verse of Ephesians 6. It's not me. This is the word of the Lord to you this morning. This is the word of the Lord to me this morning. If we do not do this, we should disband. This is a farce. If we are not going to be men and women and children of prayer, Verse 18. Once you've put on that armor, once you know that you have a conflict, once that you are trying to stand and you have purpose to stand against the wiles of the devil, the Apostle Paul wrote, praying always. He could have put a period there. The Holy Ghost knows how to write short sentences. Don't we have Jesus wept? Don't we have pray without ceasing? Has two of the shortest verses, but he didn't stop there. He said, praying always with all prayer. Now that sounds like you're really into this right. thing called prayer. Praying always with all prayer and with all supplication in the spirit. And watching there unto, unto what? Unto where? Unto there. That is, prayer and supplication, watching under prayer and supplication with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Our entire religion is vain if we are not going to be praying people. Right. We will think we have armor on. We will think we're standing against the wiles of the devil when in fact he will have already taken us captive. We just won't know it. We'll have a form without the power. We will go through the motions. We will not have the joy. We will not have the strength. We will not have the power to live for Him like we should. Prayer is the lifeblood of a saint of God. It is the lifeline of a saint of God. Is this passage here, Ephesians six ten through 20 against Satan? Amen. He does not want us to grab the full importance of this passage. Right. He does not mind if we understand the first three verses, that we have a spiritual conflict. He doesn't mind if we want to talk about the armor. Because He knows if you put the armor on and you're not praying, it's not going to do you any good. Right. And I pray that you'll stay awake this morning. If, you can't, if you're going to sleep this morning, it's because you went to bed too late last night, Or you haven't drank enough caffeine this morning. God hasn't called me to be entertaining. I'll try to teach you, but I want you to listen. This is for our salvation right right now. Our salvation. I don't care how many verses you can quote. I don't care how well you know the doctrine this church stands for. If we're not going to pray, it's all over. Amen. And And Christians today are not praying Christians like they once were. This is a holy exercise and habit that we ought to have as a regular part of our lives with time set aside to go and beg God and to wrestle with God. I am not talking about a quick prayer for some need that you have. I am talking about wrestling with God for him to draw nigh to us and to bless us and to give us the strength in the inner man to live spiritual lives. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I don't know how in five lines in my Oxford edition of the Bible that you could squeeze more about prayer. Look at the emphasis of that verse. The armor, understanding the conflict, will not do it. We have to be praying people. Every child in here that's been baptized. We need to be praying people. We need to get up in the morning and we need to pray. And I'm not talking about the breakfast table. I'm talking about in your closet, in a private place where you go and wrestle with the Lord for his blessing and for his victory over Satan. Satan does not want this verse taught. He does not mind about the rest of the verses as much as he does this verse because he knows we can't stand by ourselves if we put on the armor, but we're not praying in the spirit for God's strength. He hates prayer, and he hates praying Christians. Look at James chapter 5, and I want to tell you something. He doesn't just hate them, he's afraid of them. And he does not want this message preached, because if there were ever one Christian, one, one that prayed like he ought to pray, (coughs) he can do great things. Amen. The Lord will do great things because of him. You know this passage, James chapter 5, verse 16. I want to read the last half of it. There's two sentences in verse 16. I want the second sentence. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do you think that Satan wants you to have at your disposal power to avail much? No. No way. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And I, am I ever thankful for that verse? Amen. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. This was not a prayer meeting. This didn't take 75 people praying. This didn't take 750 praying. This didn't take a national prayer day. This took one man Amen. who was of like passions as we are, subject to every temptation, weakness, and doubt that you and I are subject to. And yet, when he prayed, he stopped the heavens for three years and six months from giving forth rain. And when he prayed again, they reigned. Right. That is glorious. Amen. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. And I'm not talking about rain and I'm not talking about your profession and I'm not talking about your children's careers nor their spouses nor anything so carnal. I'm mm-hmm. talking about spiritual power right. to live kind of the kinds of lives that Jesus Christ is honored and glorified in heaven because there are a few saints on earth that are spiritually mighty. Amen, man. Look at Matthew 17. I want to read verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Glory to God. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now if you're reading any other version this morning with the King James Bible, you don't have verse 21 because Satan wrote your Bible. it's very simple. All you have to do is take the modern versions of the Bible, find out what verses they're missing, and it is so obvious it it would work in any court of law anywhere. The motive is there because Satan does not want verse 21 in there because it tells you that there is demon oppression of individuals that is such that it takes prayer and fasting to remove them. Now the Lord Jesus can simply rebuke them, And he departs. But that's the Lord Jesus. But I want to tell you something. With prayer and fasting, you can have the power of the Lord Jesus Christ because if you'll have faith and believe and pray, nothing shall be impossible unto you. If we're not going to believe that verse, we should close up. You say, I've looked at a mountain before and I've tried to move it and it wouldn't move. I remember doing that as a child. Anybody else in here ever been so foolish? I remember reading that verse and standing out there as a child. There was a little mountain in our area called Peach Mountain. And I'd look at it and I'd say, I want it over here. Now, Lord, I'm believing. Move it over here. Now, that's ridiculous. The Bible says if you ask to consume it on your lusts, he's not going to answer. That's not the mountains he's talking about. Do you know what mountain he's talking about? A son with a lunatic devil in him. And you can say remove and he'll remove, but it takes prayer and fasting. Satan does not want you to be praying people. And I don't care if you don't remember anything else I preached today, but if you go out of here saying, I am going to pray, and I'm going to be a praying Christian, then you'll see me dancing and jumping for joy as your pastor, because that's what I want you to get. And if you miss the details, so be it. But I'm going to pour a few on just so that you are excited about praying. We need to be a praying people. It's a lost exercise. It's a lost habit. Christianity today is obsessed and addicted with entertainment. Parents take their children to churches and the first question is, what activities do you have for the young people? God, help us. Do you know what a New Testament church has for the young people? Nothing but what they have for the old people. Amen. Preaching of the Word of God and singing and fellowship and breaking of bread around the Lord's table and prayers. Right. Amen. There, you can't find one verse in the Bible about entertaining the young people, but that's what they care about. Instead, everyone ought to be asking, is this a praying church? Right. Amen. But that's not the way we think today. No. We want to be entertained. And I could entertain you but I'm not going to entertain you. I want to give you the word of God, and I want to give it to me. I'm sorely convicted about this. It is such a barometer of your spiritual life. Your joy and strength and peace and fellowship in the Holy Ghost is in direct proportion to the time you spend in prayer. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've never tried it yet. But if you find that peace and comfort and fellowship and strength and joy in the Holy Ghost, and then you back off on your praying habits, it will decline and you'll know that you've lost something dear. And you recover it by prayer. Do you understand the importance of this passage? The disciples could not defend and could not protect this man and help this man with his lunatic son. But with prayer and fasting, he could have been helped. And if they'd have had some more belief, I want to tell you why you don't pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Do you know why that warning is in the Bible? Because we're all quitters when it comes to prayer for two reasons. We quit because of unbelief. Do you you know why you ever quit praying before you've received your answer? Because you now think that he's not going to answer it, which is unbelief. Right. Or you quit praying because you give place to the devil and you get out of the Spirit and your praying doesn't bear any fruit. It doesn't get its results because the Holy Spirit is not praying for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit does not pray with groanings which cannot be uttered for you that sit around in your lazy boys and watch television. He only does that for those that are praying in the Spirit. But what an incredible prayer if we become true prayer warriors and be wrestling with God in the Spirit, we will have praying with us the Holy Spirit of the living God who moved upon the face of the waters in Genesis chapter 1, and He will bring about our desired petitions with groanings that cannot be uttered in any language. You say, I know those verses are there, but you act like you believe them. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Yes, I do. I have prayed all night long. With no answer. But I have an answer. I have a Jesus Christ who nailed all my sins and trespasses to His cross and has triumphed openly over these demons and lunatic devils like this. And I'm not distracted right now, brethren. I'm not distracted one bit. And I'm not doubtful right now because I'm preaching to you the Word of the living God, and this is truth. Amen. Now you can all sit there and go to sleep and you can think about other things and you can think praying's a little too serious for me. Go ahead and make whatever excuses you want. I can tell you where they're coming from. They're not coming from God the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. If we're serious about what we believe, we want to be praying people in a praying church because if we're not, this is such a vain show. Turn to Acts chapter 4. Turn to Acts 4. Can you see why Satan doesn't want you to pray? What does the Apostle Paul tell you to do in Ephesians 6 where he deals most carefully with the war with Satan? Praying always, with all prayer and supplication, in the Spirit. What does he say in James chapter 5? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Does Satan want you to have a power source that would avail much? No way. Does Matthew seventeen twenty one say that this kind, there are certain principalities and powers of Satan himself that does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Does he want you to know that verse? Why, he's removed it. Except from our King James Bibles. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have been threatened, according to verse 21, that they should not preach any further in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went to their own company and told them what had happened. And I read in verse 24, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice. Why doesn't it say voices? One I thought it said they. Is they a singular or a plural pronoun? Plural. Is it plural? Yes. What is voice?
1: Singular?
0: singular? Of one mind. Did the Holy Spirit make a mistake? No. Nope. They were of one mind. Amen. They lifted up their voice to God with voice. One accord. accord. If a church ever prayed like Ephesians 6.18 for one another with one accord, they've never seen what God can do. They lifted up with one accord and said, you want to learn how to pray? Just read a Bible prayer. Listen to this and see if God isn't exalted. And don't see if they after they exalt God slip in their petition. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage, and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. That is a Bible prayer meeting. The prayer isn't long, but the prayer is powerful. The prayer includes reminding God of the promises and statements he's made in his word. The prayer includes lifting God up and exalting him highly for his power. And the prayer includes lifting up the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when you invoke the, the name of the holy child, Jesus, you are invoking the highest name that is given among men whereby we must, must be saved. Amen. And the name before which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Amen. that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I want to tell you that God the Father loves His holy child, Jesus. Right. And when you invoke His name, the place will shake. And if you need shaking lamp fixtures, you are weak in faith. Mm-hmm. We need to have our souls shaken. Amen. I don't care about lamp shaking lamp fixtures. That's, carnally, that's being carnally minded right. to worry about that. God gave them both. Believe, I'd take it but I want the other first. Right. I want to be shaken on the inside, Amen. to love Him more, and to have the power Amen. of the Holy Ghost within me, not just to speak the Word of God with boldness, but to live the Word of God with boldness, Amen. and consistency, and constancy, and faithfulness. Right. Then He can shake the room around me. But I want that first. Now, do you understand why Satan doesn't want a sermon on prayer? I clued you in four passages. Ephesians 6, James 5, Matthew 17, and right here. Do you know how close it is, that kind of power? Availing much? It's as close as your closet. Incredible. And what do we do? We're too busy. We're too distracted. We're not believing. We're going to do it in our own strength. I've got too many things to do to pray. Mm -hmm. Ever been there? Ever had that thought? Amen. There's too many things to do to pray. You trying to build your house? You trying to keep the city? Amen. Except the Lord build the house, yes, right. they labor in vain that build it. Whatever you're attempting to do, whether it's with your children, I don't care how noble. I don't care if it's as noble as preaching this and studying this. If this isn't based on prayer, it will not accomplish its purpose. Amen. Look at 2 Chronicles, chapter 30. 2 Chronicles, chapter 30. I wish we had saints that all they needed to hear were the four verses I just gave you. And they'd say to themselves, if Satan doesn't want it, and the way they invoked the name of Jesus, and if Jesus said we ought to do it, that's enough for me, let me go home right now and pray. And I want you to have that spirit today. Amen. Let me out of here. I want to get home to my closet and pray. Let me off this job. Let me get home. Let me get to my closet and pray, my room, wherever you choose to pray. In 2nd Chronicles chapter 30, we read about Hezekiah offering a sacrifice of unbelievable size in verse 24. And the whole congregation has come together so that there was great joy in verse 26. And I read in verse 27, Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people. And their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to His holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. Do you want your prayers To come up into God's holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. Why pray if we're not going to get them there? That's the effectual prayer of a righteous man. An effectual prayer accomplishes its desired end. It gets to heaven. Do you know the other kind of prayers? When you kneel down and go through the form and the ritual and the habit of a prayer, and you know that it's bouncing off the ceiling tile or the drywall up above you? Then there's praying in the Holy Ghost when you're being led by the Holy Spirit of God and you are praying for the will of God and you are wrestling with the Lord in prayer and your prayer makes it up into his holy dwelling place. Right. And when it makes it to his holy dwelling place, God awakes as out of sleep and shakes himself. Yes, this is all scriptural. Yep. And shakes himself and comes in a rage and delivers his people. John, over in the Revelation, saw the prayers of the saints ascending up as incense before the throne of God. He sees the great throne of God, and he sees this smoke ascending up around that throne of God. And what is that smoke? We're told twice, the prayers of the saints ascending up around the throne of God. And he smells that, and it's precious in his nostrils, and he hears and heeds every bit of it. But it was it was more fun last night, wasn't it, watching television and getting yourself so tired by going to bed late that you can hardly stay awake this morning as I preach to you the most important message that you'll ever need to hear about prayer, and instead, it's easier to doze. Well, I pray that there are some here that want to hear about prayer. Amen. Turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Praying always. I'm sorry that I have to turn you to my favorite example of prayer in the Old Testament again. And I have lots. And I get scared every time I say this is my favorite because you might catch me some other time saying another one is. But I love it when Jacob was left alone. In verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. We're not talking about family prayer, although that's good. We're not talking about prayer partners, although that's good. We're not talking about public prayer here, that's good. We're not talking about prayer before your meals, that's good. We're talking about going away alone for you to wrestle with God by yourself with no one knowing, no one hearing your words. That's a true saint of God. That's someone that looks like a disciple of Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus did when He was on earth. He would send the multitudes away when He knew that it was time for Him to go pray alone. I'll show you before the day's over. Now that's the Lord Jesus Christ. In my little book of reasoning, If I didn't have God's Word, in my little book of reasoning, Jesus didn't need to pray. That's how I'd reason about it. He was the Son of God. If He was the Son of God, He had God's power and strength and joy of the Holy Spirit. Want to hear the words? Without measure. But do you know what my Savior would do? He would send the multitudes away, and He would go into a lonely place to be alone, and He would pray all night. We're so far from that. I say it and you say it's impossible. We can get closer to it. Amen. And we're going to by the help of God. Amen. Jesus, help us. Right. If he did it, huh, me, I don't have the spirit without measure. And I'm afflicted with flesh. He did not have that, and yet still he prayed all night long to his father. And I'm not talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm talking about long before that. Right. Jacob was left alone, but we're so busy. We need to make money. We need to play ball with the kids. We need to have quality time with our wives. We need to put in an extra couple of hours at the office. Uh Uh-huh. I need that second job. I need my hobby. I need my free time. You know what the best free time you could ever have is? Time spent alone praying. And if you don't find it that way, your heart's not right with God. It's very simple, and I'm not saying that condescendingly or like I have obtained, I, I have achieved or attained all that I'm supposed to attain. I'm telling you the truth. If you don't love getting away and being alone with God and wrestling and praying with Him, then your heart's not right with God. When it is, that's where you want to be. And it's pleasure to be there, even when you're wrestling, because you know that you're not going to let him go until he blesses you. Right. Do you know that wrestling is one of the most intense sports? How long do, how, do, how long do men box? Is it true that a typical heavyweight round or a lightweight round is 15 rounds of three minutes each? With a minute in between? Yes, yes, yes. If you don't know, 15 rounds of three minutes each because boxing is not strenuous compared to wrestling. Right. Wrestling is about two rounds of two minutes each. It's incredibly intense. Every muscle, fiber, sinew, and tendon of your body is being strained, pulled, tugged, and you're trying to exert force with, all, with leverage against you, with leverage for you. It's very difficult, and that is the example my God chose to show us about prayer. Amen. It is not long-distance aerobic training. Right. The Christian life might be, but prayer is more intense. Amen. Prayer is intense. And that's why we read, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. That's a good prayer, isn't it? All night long, with intensity. Remember it said the effectual, fervent, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What's fervency but intensity of spirit and so it's called wrestling and when he saw that he prevailed not against him when he saw who's that come on now this this is why it's my favorite yes when he saw that he prevailed not god couldn't win when does god win in prayer when you give up When, when does a man win in wrestling when the other man lets his shoulders get pinned? When does God win in prayer? When you give up. But guess what? Jacob was frightened enough and knew that he needed God's help enough that he wasn't going to let God win. As a child, I never understood this story. It was read to me by my parents. God bless them for it, for teaching me the story. But I never understood because I knew that God could win at any time in a wrestling match with a man. But not in prayer, brethren. And if The lesson of Genesis 32 is that in prayer, God makes Himself susceptible, vulnerable to men. It is unbelievable. It is the greatest definition of prayer I can give you. The Holy God, the Creator God of heaven and earth, is available for you to prevail over Him by prayer. And there is no limit to His power, brethren. I don't care what you want or need. If it's according to his will, you can prevail. And you say, you're bordering on sacrilege and blasphemy to say that a man can prevail against God. Well, then you haven't read Genesis 32 because that's what it's all about in Genesis 32. God saw that he wasn't winning and so he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Did Jacob let go because praying praying got a little difficult? because the wrestling got more difficult, did Jacob let go? No. Did it look like he was getting a blessing when instead he got a thigh out of joint? Did it look like a blessing? No. No. Do you follow? Does everyone follow? We're not talking about, we're talking about wrestling with the Most High God. He's going to test you to see how much you really want what you're asking for. He might touch your thigh, and you'll be out of joint for a while, but Jacob wouldn't let go. Don't you love that? Jacob may have deceived his father, but I love Jacob. I love Jacob in Genesis 32. And And God said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? Oh, this is so precious. You can, every man and woman in here can have this relationship with God if you want it. That's right. You say that was only for Jacob. That's only the Old Testament. I thought I just read you New Testament verses that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That is an Old Testament. That's New Testament. That's the end of the New Testament. Don't you dare lay that kind of stuff on me. Don't lay it on yourself. Don't let Satan lay it on you. You can have this kind of a relationship with God right. if you want to wrestle with him in prayer. The Lord asking you, what is your name? Does the Lord know his name? Of course. Isn't that precious? Yeah, of course. Whatever. And Jacob even answers him. My name is Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. You win. You have won this wrestling match. And I'm going to change your name to make a statement about it for the rest of your life and for the rest of the lives of all of your descendants. For they were all known as the children of Jacob. Oh, no, my brethren, the children of Israel. And what does Israel mean? You are a prince, and you have power with God. Are you ready to go home and pray? Just hold on for a little bit longer. I want to go home and pray, and I want you to go home and pray, because that's the most important thing I can accomplish today by the grace of God and by His Spirit, that you want to pray, and you're convicted to pray. Because the shame of it is we already know these things. And the shame of it is we know them and we don't use them like we ought to. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the, now did Jacob know who it was? Come on now, just follow. And that's why God said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. What's Peniel mean? You don't have to look in your center column reference. When God wants you to know what it means, he'll tell you. When he doesn't want you to know what he means, he won't tell you. I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. (laughs) Face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, The sun rose upon him. It was now daytime, and he limped. Is there anybody in here that would be willing to limp? If he could wrestle with God face to face and have him change your name and call you a prince because you have power and you won, I'd limp. Roll me in a wheelchair. Let me be a paraplegic if I could have prayers like that. Can I? Yes. Can you? That's right. Yes. That's fervent. Do I need to go into a dictionary and help you with the word fervent? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But notice the wrestling. It was very intense. He would not give up. He prayed without ceasing. He would not give up even when it appeared discouraging because if your thigh is out of joint, it is one of the most powerful muscles in your body and it was no longer available for him to use in his wrestling match. You say you're getting too much out of this passage. No. You want to challenge me on that? I'm telling you exactly what's in here. Why is that even in there? Why, why did he touch his thigh? Why is that in there? Because he made it more difficult before he gave him his blessing. He wanted to see if he'd pray without ceasing. Right. Sometimes you'll be praying for something, and a circumstance will come up, and it'll look like it's now farther away than it was. Huh. Do you know what he's doing? Are you going to keep wrestling? Right here. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shank- shrank. Beautiful. Beautiful. Brethren, can we pray like that? When was the last time we went aside and we had blocked out some time? We got rid of the telephone, which is a curse, not a blessing. We got rid of the telephone. We got rid of every other distraction that could possibly take us away. And we went and wrestled with God. I am not Jacob, but I have wrestled all night. And I'll tell you, Colossians 2.15, flooding into my mind out of nowhere, is better than meeting Esau and having him kiss me. And I'm not Jacob, but by the grace of God, I want to be Jacob, and better than Jacob. I want to be a prince, and I want all of you to be princes with God. Amen. If we had a few princes with God in this congregation, can you name five princes? The Lord names five princes. Jacob didn't make the list. He didn't make the cutoff. He was junior varsity. There's five men in the Bible, Jeremiah 15:1, Ezekiel 14:14. 14, 14 five men that God says were his champions, wrestling champions, undefeated, high school and college. Moses was one of them. Job was one. Daniel was one. Samuel and Noah. They are listed very specifically as his champions because those five men at times would pray for a family, a city, or an entire nation, and God would hear their prayers because they prayed so effectually and fervently. The three men that feared God with all their hearts in the book of Job, who did they need to have pray for them? Job. Job. How about the sons and daughters of Job who prayed for them? Job. Job Job was a perfect man. How was he perfect? He knew how to pray. He knew how to pray. And as a prince, he had power with God that Bill Daddy, Life, as and Zophar did not have. Right. Is that exciting? Amen. Do you know that anybody can pray? Right. Not everyone can teach. But everyone can pray. Amen. All you women feel neglected sometimes by the God by God? Let's see. What example do I need to turn to here? Should we look at Hagar? Should we look at Hannah? What example do you want, women? Should we look at Anna? Who got to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? You know what we all are? Kings and priests before God. Men and women. Don't ever be discouraged because you're a woman. Be thankful you don't have to be the leader you can go pray without all the responsibility. That's an advantage. We all know the story of Hannah, right? Eli looked over at her, and what, what did she look like there at the tabernacle? She was weeping, bawling, and Eli thought she was drunk because her mouth was moving no sound coming out and she was bald and she conceived and she says i've obtained a son from the lord and i'm going to lend him to the lord as long as he lives right and his name was samuel and she got to sit at home and read the paper every night about what samuel was doing it you know me got to read the paper every night about what samuel was doing in israel right god gave her five more Amen. Yep. That's wrestling with God. That's a woman. Do you get excited about that? I know one sister that does. Any of you fathers ever feel intimidated about your office of being a great father? Yes. Amen. I know of a man named Solomon that told the Lord once, "I am but a child." Do you know who he had watched for the forty years of his life govern Israel? Do you know whose knee he had bounced on? David, do you know what the Bible says about David? He behaved himself perfectly. Solomon had to follow that act. The sweet psalmist of Israel, the one who killed Goliath. Anybody ever feel intimidated about being a great father, a great husband? He said, "I am but a little child. I need wisdom." And the Lord said, "You've asked for wisdom. I'll give you wisdom." I'm going to give you long life. I'm going to give you victory over your enemies. I'm going to give you peace. And I'm going to bury you with wealth. Did he get all those things? Amen. Yes, he did. He asked for wisdom. You know, when I used to hear that as a child, we've all heard about prayer all our lives. But the point is, are we going to do it? Right. I remember hearing about Solomon and you know, you know all the little stories about rubbing the bottle and genie appears and says, I'll give you three wishes and all that pagan crap. Right. Excuse me, but I'm not really asking for your excusing. Forget all that stuff. God appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, ask what you will. Mm-hmm. And I used to say to myself as a child, Oh, I wish the Lord would appear to me like that. I've got my short list. As I got older, I wanted that wisdom. Mm-hmm. You and then you know what I found? I found that in Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. And I read in James 1, 5, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given him. Right. How, how can he put it in print any better than that? Can he? Tell me how. Can you write it in one sentence that you have the same opportunity as Solomon had? Can you write it any better than James 1.5? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, this is not deep, is it? Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He's not going to ridicule you. He's not going to criticize you. He's not going to shame you for asking for wisdom. And it'll be given to you. We could go to that example, but we've just passed over it. You scared? Ever been scared in your life? Oh, yeah, man. Second Kings 20. I want to show you the power of prayer. Was Jacob frightened about meeting Esau? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very frightened. What had he done to try to stave off Esau? He First of all, he split up into two bands. He was saying... Well, if he kills half of us, at least the other half might get away. Then he takes about, takes a great portion of his possessions, and he sends them in bands, one at a time. So that this band of possessions meets Esau with a servant, and Esau says, "What is this? This is a gift from Jacob, your serf to my lord Esau. To my what? To my lord Esau? You mean the one that you deceived out of his birth?" To my Lord Esau, from his servant Jacob. He did all that he could, but what made the big difference? He wrestled all night with God, and when he met Esau, Esau fell on his neck and kissed him, and said, I don't want all these gifts, keep them. Isn't that, is that a victory? Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Do you think Hannah believed in prayer? All you have to do is go read 1 Samuel chapter 2, the first 10 verses, which is her prayer of thanksgiving. You want to learn how to pray? Women, you want to learn how to pray? First Samuel 2, 1 through 10. It's in the outline, but you should know it. It's her prayer of thanksgiving. It is awesome. It's glorious. She lifts God up so high for his blessing upon her. Second Kings 20, verse 1, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, yep. for thou shalt die and not live. Soon, some of us are going to be in a hospital, and a doctor will come and say, There's nothing I can do. You're going to die. Amen. Now, if our hearts are right, we're going to thank him. But let's pretend that we weren't ready to go. Oh, we, you would. You would if your heart was right. It's right. Yes, You'd say, great. You'd draw up your knees into bed say, I wonder how fast it's going to go. This chariot that I'm going to be in shortly, right. when the watchers and the holy ones of God come down to take me. I read about them last night in Daniel 4 with my family. The watchers and the holy ones, they're terrible beings. They are the, they're, they're the ones that wanted Nebuchadnezzar hum- humbled. Right. If you read the passage very carefully, they did not like him being so proud about his office. They're not proud about theirs. They know it's a gift from God and they wanted him humbled so that he would know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdoms of men. <laughs> but anyway, they're going to come for us one of these days. Amen. Here's a man who's just been told not by a doctor who doesn't know what he's doing except that he practices medicine. He was told by God, set your house in order. You're going to die. What should he do? He didn't want to die right then. But 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 God's decrees I mean I mean the sovereignty of God and God predestinates everything. I mean if God says that he's going to die, he has to die. No he doesn't. You say well then was God lying? No. No. God, God just didn't say anything about prayer because you're supposed to know. It was well understood by Hezekiah, wasn't it? Right. Did Hezekiah say, woe is me, I'm undone. There's not a thing I can do. Get the house in order? No, he understood the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man and where prayer fits in because God sees prayers right. before they're ever prayed. Yes. The you say that's... That's, that's a little mind-blowing. It's supposed to be. Because right. your mind isn't capable of it. God is able to see prayers before they're prayed and still involve them in all of His decrees. Right. That's weighty stuff. And You know what David said about all that weighty stuff? I will not exercise myself in matters too high for me. And that's why we're just going to put a period right there. Right. Amen. We're just going to leave it there. I love it, though. Here's what he did. Verse 2, Then he turned his face to the wall. And prayed unto the Lord, saying, Watch how long this prayer is and how difficult. Can you pray like this? I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Was it fervent? Amen. Was it by a righteous man? Yep. yep. It's a righteous man that's able to say, Lord, Look at my life and see what I have done for you do you are you following me? That is a righteous man, and that is a very powerful prayer when you have lived righteously enough and brethren, I hope you're hearing every word that I'm saying to you it'll be it'll be on paper it'll be on tape. if you've lived righteously enough to appeal to God to see your righteousness on his for him, and you're able to do it fervently by weeping sore here's what happens. And it came to pass, verse four, a uh, four. We're not used to that word, so let's change it to the way we're used to it. Before, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, "There's an inner court, there's a middle court, and there's an outer court. Isaiah has turned around, walked out of the inner court, and is in the middle." before he had gone into the middle court, must have been in a hallway between the two, he gets a message from the Lord. Turn again. He's just turned around once. Turn again. And tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. When you're praying fervently and you're crying tears and you're wondering if anybody knows how much you're suffering, I want to tell you something. The Lord, the God of David, thy father, sees the tears. Amen. Believe it. Believe it. When we pray, we're supposed to believe and he hears. That prayer is so short. It's so simple tears. He didn't fast 40 days and 40 nights. He wept sore in a matter of a few seconds. And God turned Isaiah around and he got the message, you're going to live, I've heard, I've seen. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do you love to be bold in prayer? Do you want to be bold about something big? And When I say something big, I'm not talking about a big car or a big house. Right. I'm talking about a, a life big with spirituality Amen. and spiritual victories and fruit. Elisha, he asked for twice the spirit of Elijah. Amen. You've asked for a hard thing. But God respects boldness because do you know what boldness shows? In him. Strange faith, great faith, confidence in God. Strange faith. And I say strange because God sometimes calls his work strange. It's unusual faith. Faith that would not be timid to ask for something so big. God answered that prayer, didn't he? Right? How long was that prayer? That was so short. I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah was speaking on behalf of God. I'm about ready to take off. The chariot's on its way. It's about ready to burst through the atmosphere. Here, what do you want? I want double portion of your spirit. He got it. Elijah said, if you see me leave, you're going to get it. Did he see him? He saw that chariot arrive, haul Elijah aboard and take off into heaven. Brethren, that is boldness in prayer and God respects it. Can you get yourself into trouble sometimes and need to be pray your way out? Oh, yeah. Is God merciful? Amen. What did it smell like where Jonah prayed? Mm-hmm. What did it feel like? How long was he there? Do you think it took him three days and three nights to start praying? Mm-hmm. He was stubborn. Now, he was a character. It might have. <laughs> right. If you read about Jonah, remember? the guy. I mean, even after he gets vomited out, he still wants Nineveh to burn up, doesn't he? Right. He sits there in that box seat that he made for himself outside the city on the edge of a hill and wonders why God complains, because God isn't going to burn up the city. But I want to tell you, you can get yourself into a fishy mess. And you can pray, and God will deliver you. Amen. And he ended up on dry ground. Right. And you can go read about his prayer of thanksgiving, and you can read about his prayer of deliverance over there in the book of Jonah and their great prayers. You'll hear him describe what it's like to be inside the ribcage of a great fish with seaweed floating all around his head. He tells you in the book of Jonah, the Lord can deliver us out of stinking messes that we get ourselves into. Amen. Even in our own rebellion, God can be merciful. Isn't that hope? Amen. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And if you leave out one of those things, it will not accomplish its desired end. Effectual, <laughs> praying properly, which we'll cover before the day's over fervently with great intensity and a righteous man. His prayers will be answered. Not might be, will be. It doesn't say the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man might avail much. It just simply says an axiom of the universe that God has given to us in this precious word, His Bible, it will avail much. What if you want more light? on on a subject what if you need to know more what if you're in ignorance i read about a man named cornelius who prayed to god all way. Right. and an angel came down and said your prayers have made it up into heaven and so have your alms now send a joppa for a man that we've prepared for you he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do Amen. and you can read before that chapter puts its final period in place that he was baptized in the name of the lord jesus after having received the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and shocking a great assembly of Jews. Cornelius. Isn't that great? Amen. Do you ever want some light in a subject? Pray about it. Wrestle with God. He'll help you. He did, Cornelius. He will you. You say, but what if it involves the government? Well, I read that Peter was bound between four quaternions of soldiers. Sixteen soldiers chained to him In a prison. That's pretty good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. In an innermost prison. He's chained up to 16 Roman soldiers. Now, how do you get out of that? Even Houdini couldn't have pulled it off. Houdini couldn't pull much off anyway. But anyway, Peter is there. How was Peter delivered? A little prayer meeting was taking place. And what happened? He woke up in the middle of the night was laying there and realized the angel of the Lord was there and chains had just been removed from him. And he gets up and he walks out. Sixteen soldiers laying there asleep. And the doors open for him. I mean, brethren, come on. Don't you get excited about the Word of God? Amen. He's walking to this massive gate of a Roman garrison. And the gate opens for him. You know, he's wondering, what key am I going to use? Should I go back and get a key? from one of those guys on the ground, and they open of their own accord. And he's out there in the middle of the city street, just like that. And he walks to the house. They weren't very believing, were they? This is Acts chapter 12. He knocks at the door. They send out a little girl named Rhoda to find out who it is. He says, tell them Peter's here. She goes back in. They all think she's mad. Crazy. Because how could Peter be there? He's in prison. After all, that's why we're praying for... (laughs) Isn't isn't that how we are though? If if there's any unbelief in your brethren, unbelief is not. Do you know what he says? Let him ask in faith. For a man that doesn't ask in faith, James chapter one verses six through eight. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. The Lord wants us to believe. And if you think that I'm, I get a little light about these passages, why do you think those details are there? Right. Why did God take the time and the ink and the paper to tell us that the gates opened of their own accord? Because he wants to show his power to us. So that by the word of God, our faith will be increased. Right. Because the Bible tells me that I'm to teach you because by the faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And I, it's exciting to me. Listen, this is, I'm preaching as much to me as I am to anyone here, because I want to be a prince with God. He hasn't answered my one about the clock slowing down, but maybe one of these days, maybe one of these days I'll get Hezekiah's blessing and it'll go back on my watch. I can watch the minute hand roll backwards. Has this prayer been offered? Has this power been offered in the New Testament? Yes. What did James write in James four two? Ye have not. It doesn't say ye have not because this is the New Testament and God doesn't deal the same way as he did in the Old Testament. No, It doesn't say that. No, Ye have not. And the reason I go through that is to take away all those little doubts that people have in their minds and for you to look at the words, ye have not because ye ask not. If you would ask, you would have it. But now we need to ask effectually. We need to ask fervently. And we better be living righteous lives. It's all summed up in that one sentence. It's such a glorious statement about prayer in James five sixteen. Jesus said he is like a heavenly father. We have a heavenly father, and our heavenly father will treat us better than we treat our children. Amen. And when our children come to us, working up their courage to come and ask us for something, don't we want to do it for them? Yes. And he said, "You're evil." I can do better. Treat me like a father and come to me and ask me, and I'll give it to you. I will not play games with you. As I prayed earlier today, when you come and ask a fish, I'm not going to give you a stone. Just like when our children come and ask us a bicycle, we're not going to give them a jar of vitamins. We're going to get them a bicycle because we want to please our children. Do you know he told those disciples? Where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Right. He said, If two of you, right right there, next next to it, next door, Matthew 18, 18, 20, if two of you shall agree on earth, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. When Nebuchadnezzar, or Xerxes, or Artaxerxes, or Ahasuerus of the kings of kingdoms of Persia and Babylon would say, let it be done. Did you know what? Do you know what? It was done. Amen. Do you like to read those words? Yes. Do you like to read over there in the accounts of those great kings that would say the laws of the Medes and the Persians cannot be altered? Yep. If they said this is, this is what's going to be done, it was done. All there right. was no altering of it. But I want to tell you something this morning. And you know where I'm going? I want to tell you about your Savior Jesus Christ who is the Holy Child Jesus who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he says, it will be done, in Matthew 18, 19, he means it and it is not alterable. It is better than anything coming out of a Persian king or a Babylonian king. It's the word of the Lord Jesus Christ who is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Do you think that possibly we have misinterpreted that verse? If you do, look at Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. For those of you who are real skeptics, you might remember that the Bible teaches us to let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Well, let me give you a second witness that He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And if you don't go to prayer believing that, you're not praying in faith. Jeremiah 33, verse 2, Thus saith the Lord, the Maker thereof. Jeremiah 33, 2, The Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is His name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah 33, 2 and 3. Does that help? Now you've got it confirmed. The Lord is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. The power. Ephesians chapter 3. These are the promises of prayer in the Word of God. Jesus even said in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13 that if we would ever ask the Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit, He would give it to us. Right. That's a plain, that's something we should pray for. There it is. There's the promise. It's time for me to close this morning. But I want to say to you that prayer needs to be a priority in our lives. Amen. I hope that in the teaching this morning, in the review of these verses, all of which you should know, but all of which I don't believe we do like we should, can we be praying people and praying saints of the Most High God and wrestle with Him and have His power and His blessing upon us. And first, we ought to be praying for spiritual blessings. Right. In that praying, the fellowship that comes in proper praying with the Lord drawing nigh unto us as we draw nigh unto him. Brethren, we live in a carnal and deceitful age. Christianity has been compromised so much that I fear we cannot even visualize the kind of a praying Christian that I'm talking about. But we need to, we need to be moving in that direction. And I don't mean moving slowly. And I don't mean waiting for further conviction to move. I mean moving and repenting for our form of godliness without the power thereof. Let's be believing, praying Christians. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And may the Lord bless us that we'll be a praying people on earth that He can draw nigh unto and pour out His blessings and again for the third, fourth, or fifth time Chiefly, his spiritual blessings, right. that we can have great joy in him, and that it will not be a form of godliness. It will be, yea, true godliness with great contentment in the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. May he
0: bless the preaching of his word. Amen.